So the tenor of your voice there is kind of making the point that I wanted to yeah. make. Or that <laughs> you wanted to make. Like you're getting worked up about this. Yes. March 31. Deaths in Canada, 108. 33 in Ontario, which didn't seem to change from yesterday. Might be due to this new way they're counting things. Delayed by a day or two. Uh, 11 deaths in Toronto right now. Okay, so headlines today. Ontario has confirmed that schools are going to be closed until, at least until May 4th, which surprised nobody. And Toronto cancelled all public events, like large public events, through June 30th, so that included the Gay Pride Parade. I don't know what else. Luminato had already been cancelled. Anything, any big event the end of June is cancelled again unsurprisingly these are like when this happened two weeks ago and school was cancelled for two weeks and sports were cancelled everyone was like <gasps> <laughs> and now it's just like oh yeah of course mm-hmm. which I think is very telling of how fast things are moving yeah Actually, that was one of the things I wanted to talk about today was what the past two weeks have felt like. Mm -hmm. Because, let's see here. Two weeks ago was March 17th. That's when we kind of really got the, started to get the hang of being locked down. Mm -hmm. Lockdown started on Saturday the 14th, technically, but Mm -hmm. take some adjustment. So it's been two weeks since then yeah and I feel like it just feels it's starting to feel normal things like everything is cancelled is no longer a shock but now and but the reason I want to think about that Mm -hmm. is because the cases that we're seeing coming into the ICU right now were probably infected over that first weekend when we closed it. The things started to close. Yeah, when things started to close. Yes, they're just getting like into the, the ICU Like the 12th, now. 13th, 14th, yeah. 15th. They're coming into the ICU now. We're starting to see those numbers go up. Yeah. We might get slammed. And that was the weekend where everything felt like it was a bit of an overreaction. Yes. Or it was like taking a step like very early. Like we were it really getting ahead of this. It is did. what it felt like. It did feel like that, yeah. But now it's like, no, <laughs> we were not ahead of it. Yeah. Two weeks before that, we would have been ahead of it. Yeah. But now we're seeing that we were not at all ahead of it. Yes. And that is why this virus is just so hard. Yes. Anyways, so I jumped ahead of myself a bit because my flattening the curve topic, I was going to talk first about Italy. Because I pulled the regional Italy data for the first time in yeah. a few days, and it really had some good. It looks good for them. Good looking curves. Good for them. Good yeah. looking, flattening the curves. Mm-hmm. So, if you have been looking at the national data for Italy, you will see that they're flattening the curve for sure, mm-hmm. but it is just like 
one of those old cartoons where somebody's really trying to bend an ironing iron iron bar mm-hmm. but it's not like bending mm-hmm. like their their daily for confirmed cases and deaths have almost just plateaued as a, as opposed to going down mm-hmm. um so cases are starting to fall the last two days the cases have been similar to what they were two weeks ago in terms of sorry the new cases announced in a day so today and yesterday there's about four thousand each day which is similar to what they announced on march 18th mm-hmm. so that's good but it's also new mm-hmm. the deaths just keep hovering between eight and nine hundred they kind of look like they're going down they look like they're going back up again so i pulled out the regional data to see what lombardy was doing because of course it's been the hardest hit area and they started locking down their soonest. Mm-hmm. So we should be seeing death drop off there soonest. And so I pulled their change in deaths over time. And starting on March 26th, their deaths per day have just been dropping like a rock. Mm. Look, mm-hmm. you see? Yep. It's like a ski hill. They did it. Well, I mean, they're still at. 381 deaths per day so yeah. i'm sure they're but not feeling out of the woods but you can very clearly see I think that it's coming down <coughs> yeah and so the reason their national totals aren't dropping then is because other regions must be picking up like other regions are struggling mm-hmm. and they are not yet on that downturn so on march 21st for example lombardy had 400 sorry Lombardi had 546 deaths of the 793 national total that Mm -hmm. accounted for 69% of the country's deaths on March 21st. Mm -hmm. 10 days later, March 31st, Mm -hmm. Lombardi's at 381 deaths. The country's at 837 deaths. Lombardi's only now accounting for 45% of the deaths, less than half. So other areas of the country are kind of starting to become more important regions of infection. Yeah. But hopefully because the country was locked down sooner, they won't become mm. Lombardies. Mm-hmm. But anyways, I wish I could show you this graph over the microphone. Mm. So then in Ontario, okay, so now it's been two weeks since we're locked down. That's when we would expect that we should be seeing our cases, our case numbers drop off. But we can't see that because Ontario has terrible testing, as we've talked about many times. And just sort of inconsistent data now, too, right? Because they're, like, now they're going to catch up on all these past tests. So yeah. it's going to make the cases So because lo- we had this backlog. it's We're going to hide any effect we're there could have been probably yes, anyways but exactly even if our testing was widespread enough the backlog totally just jumbles up all the data and we have no idea yeah when any of those positive results are from mm-hmm. so we can't really use our testing data at this point to look for flattening the curve so we have to look at icu data but icu data is even looks further in the past than testing data. So Mm -hmm. we haven't got to the point yet where ICU data is going to show any flattening of the curve. That's going to happen in the next week or two. 
And David Fisman, my favorite mm-hmm. U of T Dalla Lana School of Public Health epidemiologist, just did a big thread on Twitter looking at ICU data. Yeah. Leaked ICU data, I might right. add. Right. So this is this the province, like the internal like probably part of that internal report that that included mm-hmm. probable and yeah. confirmed. So he was looking just at confirmed cases of beds, ICU beds with vents. Okay. And so it's growing kind of, it's growing fast, but a bit jumpy. So from yesterday to today, the growth was 25%. And from the day before to yesterday, it was 8%. And the province won't say how many of those people are from long-term care homes. Oh. which really affects how many it really affects your h- calculation of if you take the number of ICU beds occupied and you want to extrapolate that to how many cases are in the population yeah it really matters if a lot of those beds are taken up by um an outbreak in a long-term care home because it just spreads so quickly it in spreads long-term so care quickly. so that like yeah. The th- I think we're at 13 people that have passed away now from one in one place in one the Bob Cajun. Bob Cajun. So yeah, it's like it really skews any chance you have of figuring out yeah. what's going on. It doesn't on. indicate community spread. Yeah. Whereas in the public, each one of those deaths would indicate another 100 cases are out there. Mm-hmm. I hope that made some kind of sense, but so Ontario won't say, but anyways, Regardless, if it keeps growing at 25%, our ICU beds will be full by next Tuesday, he said. Mm-hmm. If it grows at 8%, then you get an extra week. Mm-hmm. So we hope that we have flattened this. But he had another thread that it, I don't know if he deleted it or I'm really bad at finding stuff on Twitter. Hmm. But earlier today, he wrote a thread saying that his team, like their world-class epidemiologists, they cannot get data from the province. The province is not sharing data. They can't do the analysis. And this was one of the key things that was mentioned in the report, the commission, the SARS commission. Mm-hmm. And it's just repeating itself over again. The province is not giving data to the epidemiologists. They're not letting them mm-hmm. do these assessments. And so they're ready to just throw their hands up and walk away and... Apparently, they're doing some work with the feds now. Mm. But I don't know. It's very... For all the good work that Doug Ford is doing like at the podium and taking it very seriously, I don't understand well, he, I why they're being so opaque with the data. It looks like what he's doing is... Del- like, like What's the word? Where you... Delegating? De- deferring. He's deferring to the people who... Right. Right. He's not taking over. Right. He he like in in the U.S. It's like Mike Pence is doing the updates. Right. He's the like the mm, not anymore. Maybe not anymore. I mean, he was right. He's the yeah. pe- the person you see. I mean, it's Trump. And no, Trump like is up there now. But every day. in theory, Mike Pence is like kind of running that game. Mm-hmm. But here it's not. It's like it's the I can't remember. I can never remember their names. Barbara Yaffe and the other guy. But it's it seems that I feel like Doug Ford. I mean, he okay, but they aren't doing a very good job. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Yeah, 
it's not for all i wanted to say is i feel like ford's trying to take expert opinion he's kind of trying to say we're going to do whatever the experts say and he's just striking the right tone as the leader he's just got the wrong he's got the wrong people about him yeah i mean he must be getting advice from other people too all over the place but Mm. yeah all right so i guess the summary of that is social distancing is working in Italy. You can see it very clearly. In Ontario, we have no idea. Um, the ICU data will give us some pretty good indicators this week. Mm-hmm. <sighs> okay. And the next thing I want to talk about is masks. Mm-hmm. Tilk's talked about this a bit already. Do you want to summarize? That article that you were talking about the other day. Is this the New York Times article? Mm -hmm. I can't remember where I read it. Yeah. So the New York Times article basically was saying how early on in the outbreak, the media might have confused the public regarding mask usage because they were on the one hand trying to say that masks, you shouldn't wear masks because they don't work for the public. But they do work for healthcare, healthcare workers. workers. Healthcare workers really need them. And so, and in fact, if you use them, you're taking them away from healthcare workers that need them. But they don't. Work and they're kind of saying, but they don't work, so don't use them. And I think even Michael Osterham said that in like that Joe Rogan interview. He said, "What about those like non N95 masks, like surgical masks? They're good, almost as." almost useless like next to nothing if there's a benefit it's because you're not touching your face right that's the Mm -hmm. only potential benefit but i just it just doesn't it's like it's the you're putting a barrier in front of your nose and mouth if you sneeze or cough most of the most of the droplets that you're gonna spread into the environment will get caught in the cloth it just yeah well that's that that's the whether you're looking at it to stop contracting or to stop the spread. Yeah. I mean, even mm-hmm. if you... So, definitely, if the person wearing it... Well, see, the thing is, we don't know people are symptom... Uh, people are contagious, yeah. even if yeah. they're not symptomatic. So, you may... Like, you could be doing it for that reason. But I also... Like, even if... Even if you're... Uh, you know, someone sneezed in a room and you are wearing a mask and you're not... You don't have it yet... If you're breathing through a piece of cloth, you're still going to filter some particles and some droplets, like even if it's not perfect, even if you don't have a perfect seal, you're going to dramatically drop the proportion of, of the, yeah, the droplets that get through. So the tenor of your voice there is kind of making the point that I wanted to make. (laughs) Like you're getting worked up about this Yes. because officials were not transparent no they were we don't know what they were doing but it was bad messaging they were trying to give people a good reason that people would maybe accept but not the real reason so what that so that happened that that new york times article was published a week i have no sense of time i don't know when it was published but a while ago yeah maybe a week ago in the course of this infection we talked about it here yeah and since 
that has happened. Sorry, Caden's alarms are just going off. Okay. So since that happened, I've been noticing this movement online and it's called Masks for All. And it seems to be these people have, it's almost like a mounting conspiracy theory. And people seem to believe that masks are like a secret weapon to control the spread of COVID-19. And somehow if we just all wore masks, that this would just go away and that public health officials are knowingly somehow harming us and giving us bad information by telling us not to wear masks. And so there's a hashtag masks for all that's going around and also a graph that shows it's a graph, a legit graph from the Financial Times that shows kind of case growth of of all the different countries. And so you have most countries with this exponential growth. Mm -hmm. And then you have a few countries with slower growth. Your mm -hmm. um, Hong Kong, Singapore, Japan. Mm -hmm. And so this graph circles the Hong Kong, Singapore, Japan mm -hmm. arm and writes masks. And they circle all the c other countries and say, no masks mm -hmm. with like MS paint and like this, this as if that's the only difference as if that's between the only difference be between <laughs> these two groups. It is a difference. It is a difference and certainly not the biggest difference. And so it's just, it's alarming. It's starting to, mm -hmm. it's starting to morph into this strange conspiracy theory. I mean, and then it, it undermines, because there are legitimate reasons for public health officials to tell us not to wear masks. The, the foremost <laughs> is that there's a shortage of them. Yeah. So maybe. But if you can make your own, like if people are willing sure. to make their own cloth mask that you wash in the washing machine, like you could like just wear a scarf, like you'll, it'll do something. It'll it's do something. But there's still that, qu like people still have the theory that. Um, it might cause people to touch their face more, right? Yeah. Like there's this potential sure. that if it you're always does adjusting it, do some kind of harm. It's not entirely clear that it's a benefit. It's true. Um, but I did see an interesting interview with on CBC the other day with a retired ER doctor from Manitoba, and regarding masks, she was saying the first thing we should do is get mask education out there. Yeah. Because right now, our public health officials are not telling us to wear masks, but that could change for a variety of reasons, or it could mm -hmm. change for a specific person, mm -hmm. and you're instructed to wear a mask. But the general public is not familiar with how to wear a mask. Like, mm. there's a right side and a wrong side, and up and a down, and it needs to cover your nose and your mouth, and... And when you take it off, like if especially if you're going to be taking it on and putting it back on, taking it off and putting it mm -hmm. back on again, like you have to be aware that you can't really touch the outside of it. Like anything mm -hmm. that you like, you're kind of sucking material onto that surface. Yeah. And it's a dirty. Thing. It's it's it gets like it's more dirty than other parts of your like clothes or things because you're kind of sucking you're concentrating the mm -hmm. anything that's in the air onto that surface so you have to think about when you're taking it off you kind of have to point your face away you kind of 
bend over even and push it away from your face and let it, if anything's going to like imagine it being covered with things that could fall off of it and you kind of almost right, have to Right, but a surgical like, mask isn't like that though. It's much looser. It's, it's not going to snap back at you or. Not that it snaps back <laughs> at you, but just the, imagine something stuck to the outside. Like imagine you had, I don't know, what's like little bits of fuzz stuck to the outside of even a surgical mask. Mm-hmm. As you take it off, you don't want those little bits to fall onto you fall or you there. don't want them to be released into the air and then you breathe them in. Yeah. Like you're knocking things as you're taking mm-hmm. them off. Like you have to. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I think that's a real concern because yeah. I mean, you see it, we don't have a lot of reasons to wear masks in our society, but there's a lot of reasons to wear gloves. Uh-huh. And as someone who knows how to properly use gloves and really, I guess, Many people can observe people poorly wearing gloves in many fast food facilities. Mm. Like gloves, people seem to think like gloves are clean. (laughs) It doesn't matter what I touch with them. If I'm wearing gloves, then Mm -hmm. they're clean. Mm -hmm. And it gives a false sense of security. Mm -hmm. And one time I saw someone at (laughs) at a fast food place like handle money and then go back to the food with the same pair of gloves. Yeah. Because gloves are clean, presumably, they were thinking. Yeah. So. Or even even if you see people taking off their gloves, right? So this is very common where you see Mm -hmm. someone handling food. They take off their gloves. They go over the cash. They do the thing. They put on the glove again or a different glove even and continue on. What's happening there is you've, if you don't wash your hands with alcohol gel when your glove is off, there's a very good chance whatever was on the outside of that glove got onto your hand and you've then repopulated it onto the outs like the or whatever mm. was not you know from one side of the glove to the other is like you're touching all the surfaces of right. the glove when you're taking them on right. and off it's very difficult to take off a glove without getting touching parts of it so you have to still mm. wash your hands i mean i saw nurses not doing that firsthand when my mom was getting her knee replacement done like nurses moving in and out of a room like when right. she had a bedpan and those are trained professionals just they don't yeah, it was definitely, I watched in two occasions, changing a bedpan, the nurse walked into the room, just put on gloves, didn't wash her hands, came out of the room, took off gloves, put on a new pair of gloves, and mm-hmm. continued on down the hallway. So then the question is, for masks, if you suddenly, if you if we were just to have a, a great supply of masks all of a sudden, right, yeah. and everyone could have a mask, yeah. if you suddenly tell a whole population of a province, untrained, mm-hmm. wear masks, are you sure that you are doing something beneficial? Like, I don't think that is no clear. No one can say. And yeah. the role of masks, like, sure, masks theoretically reduce a risk, but it, I don't, there's not evidence that it's a huge part of the toolkit for controlling this. Social distancing, testing, and tracing, those are Mm -hmm. the biggest components of the toolkit. Mm -hmm. And then masks may add something, Mm -hmm. but maybe in an untrained population, they may not. I don't know. We don't know. It's unclear. If you're doing physical distancing at two meters, it it feels like you're not going to have, it feels like the, the benefit would be minimal. It should be minimal. 
right? Except it for should the be minimal. except for instances where you get and close to people. And if you have high risk situations. What we were saying earlier, it would make a lot of sense for instance for cashiers or people who are dealing with a lot of people in the public and you know, even though they have the plexiglass up at the grocery store between you and the cashier, the plexiglass is so mm. thick you can't really hear through it so i found myself without even thinking about it i found myself kind of moving to one end of it so i could talk around it because it, you can't you know and i think mm -hmm. that's what everyone's kind of doing so you are further away from the person at that point but still i would think people that are in those kinds of positions could be should be wearing them yeah could yeah, be trained I and then could wear them think of lots of situations where yep they might, but I don't know. It's just so frustrating to see these mm -hmm. mistakes yeah. made by by people in a position of power and trust. Yeah. And then we're just now we're just gonna pay for this forever. It's gonna be a mask conspiracy for yeah. who knows how long. Masks for all will be spray painted <laughs> on the sides of buildings. I don't know. It's just so frustrating because it detracts from the really important things. Yeah. And I yeah. get so mad. Well, Chris Shelley was Shelley was in the National Post today was talking about something similar with which is just around. I think it was mostly dealing with uh, closing the borders of like closing Canada's borders and how some I think the Canadian chief medical officer was a vocal saying no we shouldn't do this because the world health organization says we should keep our borders open and if we go against the world health organization we're going to have be held to account but then that like i don't know how many days later but some number of days later they decide to close their borders so you know like you just it feels like we're being there's spin there's too much spin going on with the public it's okay if this is our current thinking. It's a fluid situation. Things are always changing. And at some point, we may need to revisit it. I think mm -hmm. it would be good if decision makers and leaders put their answers in those terms. Like, this is what we're thinking right now. We think the benefits mm -hmm. of closing the borders would, the negatives would outweigh the positives. We're not doing it for now, but that could change. Like, they should be. Actually, I saw a tweet thread like that today from Ottawa Public Health. Yeah. Um, and they said, um, something along the lines of uh, we know that the social distancing rules are changing mm -hmm. and we're really sorry for that but the situation is changing yeah and so we previously had said that if you have come home from the states that it's okay to go outside for a walk and it's okay to walk mm -hmm. your dog we are no longer saying that yeah. we know it's frustrating yeah we're so like that's the way to do they it. were just it's super clear about it yeah um, yeah, it was really impressive to see. And uh, that is the tone at UHN too. Anytime they say something, it's always like, this is, this is what we're doing right now, but it could change depending on what, you know, the best mm -hmm. as the evidence comes in, as people, as other hospitals change the way they're doing things there, that's the way they're always trying to spin it. And I feels, it feels real. It feels like that's mm -hmm. the real, like, that's not just trying to con just, uh, what's the word? Like patronize isn't yeah. the kind of like yeah patronize. like giving reasons that pe so that someone will go away like give right. them the reason what that will that quiet them d quiet them right placate Somebody placate it's like yes. giving people good re not the real reasons but just good reasons that will make them go away but if it's not the real reason then it's just gonna come back because mm -hmm. if you have yeah i think i think we've covered it 
Wow, we we're both it. getting worked up on this one. Yeah, it's workupable. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> Anthony Fauci even said now that he's uh, there's an interview with him somewhere where he's talking about that's a U.S. someone high up in the U.S. thing. He's like Trump's right hand infectious m- disease person. Yeah, he's next to standing next to Trump for all the addresses, and he's now saying if it. You know, initially we s- we thought there wasn't going to be enough masks. Now we think there's going to be enough masks, so it might make sense for everyone to wear masks soon. Surgical masks. Sur- surgical yeah. masks, I think, is what they mean. Yeah. <sighs> In the U.S. Yeah. The U.S. Yeah. So there's a lot to say. There's a lot of um. The U.S. has had and will continue to have a lot of super spreader events mm-hmm. because. They're so weak on social distancing. Mm -hmm. And I keep reading articles. There's really good reporting out there on some of these super spreader events. Like there's a biomedical conference in Boston that started the Massachusetts outbreak. Mm -hmm. And this morning I was reading one about uh, so sad in this small city in Alabama. I forget the name of it. Um, city of like 90,000 people mm-hmm. and they had a funeral there mm-hmm. and like that was a super spreader event and mm-hmm. so this small city is just getting mm. hammered mm. and then you see these pictures of church services from this weekend and like people like defiantly gathering in large groups and it's, it's because very they scary of what's going to happen in two weeks because because they just don't believe the risk don't believe the risk Mm -hmm. or they're trying to show that they're strong and together in spite of the risk or i'm not i do not understand i cannot pretend to understand or they believe 5g is causing oh my gosh okay are you going to talk about that i mean i think i don't i think the only thing i wanted to say is Say what it is first. Right. People heard our mumbling. The 5G. So there's this theory. I think we've talked about it before. But there's a theory that seems to have gone viral out there. There's large numbers of people. A conspiracy theory. A conspiracy theory that, I mean, yeah. Conspiracy theory that 5G cellular networks are responsible for all the negative health effects we're seeing. Some that what. I mean, what I would call the coronavirus or the COVID-19 virus, that it's actually these the effects of the cellular, this 5G system being switched on. And apparently there's some evidence that in Wuhan, right before, it was the 5G system, a 5G system was switched on in Wuhan shortly before they started seeing their issue, their health effects. I'm quite positive that if you tried to track the different countries that this has moved to, you would not find that evidence. But nevertheless, there's mm-hmm. this is a lot of people on Facebook are very convinced, including a good childhood friend of mine, and they're getting increasingly shrill, <laughs> and <laughs> and it's leading to consternation of other people that are getting exasperated. And I don't know. I here's the here's what it comes down to for me. You can't. I don't. I think. We are all, I see all human beings, we are all feeble, we, we all have feeble minds, we all have biases, we can't see the truth 
very well, even if it's right in front of our faces. There's countless examples of how that's happened, you know, through history, how we failed to see the causes or the, the needs to change the way we live. I mean, including up until germs were first, and hand washing was first instituted by Semmelweis, right? The doctor who noted that midwives weren't dying as often or weren't killing their patients as often as as doctors were or surgeons were and he noted that midwives would wash their hands or was it no it was that that it was that the doctors would go from the they would do autopsies and they would go right from the autopsies to delivering babies without washing their hands and midwives tended to not do autopsies and so they killed less new mothers um, and Semmelweis figured out that if you washed your hands, you would that that you would decrease the rate of maternal mortality. And and yet it took like decades, decades for that idea, even though he produced quite a bit of evidence for that, to get that idea to be taken up. And and just as so, I mean, we just can't. I just try to be respectful of anyone that has any idea, any the deep-seated belief that that's something that they have a right to it's just so hard to have a conversation about it and to try mm -hmm. to persuade someone because everyone seems to be we are all dug in on our own perspectives so what do you do i just i don't think i don't think telling people to just shut up or just to I don't know blocking people is the right answer I just did deep in my soul I feel like that's just in our increasingly echo echo chamber like worlds people will go and find other people like like-minded people on the internet and build grander schemes and grander right. conspiracies that are even more out of whack whereas I think if we just keep talking to people and keep trying to say like people have been you know there's been a few discussions in Facebook where people are just saying come on now is this really what you th how can you think this if you if this is also true how can this be true or if you yell and scream into the void you sound like a crazy person like those yeah. I mean does that it m I think I hope that those kind of comments make someone stop at times and think or if enough people suggest these things I hope that that's what can happen I don't know but I hope I think that's my goal is to just continue the conversation as respectfully as I can yeah it gets really frustrating though yeah I gotta say yeah you can only explain something so many times before you want to pull your hair out yeah oh Okay, I have a comic. Should I say it? Mm, yeah. Okay. So, end with a comic that I will try to describe to you. Okay, this is from XKCD, which I haven't read in a long time, and it's mm. a great science-y comic strip. All right, so there's two people. There's a guy, and there's a woman walking up, and she's got messy hair. And she goes, hi. And he goes, hello, you look fine. And she says, 
I have now read virtually every available scientific paper on COVID-19. <laughs> and he says, cool, what'd you learn? She says, well, it seems this virus wants to get inside your cells. Uh-huh. But it's a trap, and you shouldn't let it. And he says, I think we knew that. And she says, says but now I know it with error bars. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's how I feel some days. It does feel good to have... Yeah, I think we're the type of people that benefit from this type of knowledge and data. But is it really helping us? <laughs> I think it's like, what did we say? Like the, what's the t what's the word for the placebo thing the, that a wizard has? When you remember the little, <laughs> now I don't remember. We talked about it in one of the podcasts. Oh, yeah. I don't remember that, that word. That's what we should it's call the podcast late. when we remember that word. But I think One day we'll remember that word. Yeah. All right. Good night. Good night.